Cradleine Network. Yeah, my name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox. This is the 239th episode of Space Spinner 2000. A podcast for two Americans here to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD. One month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for April and May 1991. Prog 728 to 731. This time, we clear out through a few thrills and hop into some I've been looking forward to, including Mean Machine solo story and the return of Night Zero. Oh, hell yeah. And man, the setup. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. God damn, I love that man. Yeah, it's going to be good. If you want to read along with us, you the comics we're covering today and Judge Dredd the Complete Case Files 15, Nemesis the Warlock Volume 3, 2080 Extreme Edition 5, and the Judge Dredd Magazine 298. Hey, there we go. Yeah, all right. How are you doing this week? Ready to jump in here, Fox? <sighs> Man, listen, I'm ready to blarney my stones and uh, four-leaf clover my uh, liver, I guess. That's a Top thing. of the morning to you indeed. Yeah. Thrill one, Judge Red. Good Lord. Uh, this, I mean, I I rarely side with the terrorists, you know? <laughs> but this is, this is one where I'm like, terrorists win. I mean, they make a fair point at the very least, you know? Uh, script by Garth Ennis, Art Robot, Steve Dillon, and Wendy Simpson on colors, letting robot Tom Frame. Hey, it's our boy. Yeah. Always. So Judge Dredd, he's driving through the Black Atlantic Tunnel on his way to Emerald Isle, the uh, futuristic Ireland of the Dreadverse. He gets a little uh, beep-boop video on his little car computer. Well, his, yeah, his bike yeah. pewter. Bike com- yeah, bike computer. Yeah, to, to pass the time, he checks the dossier on Emerald Isle, population 20 million, uh, ruled by unaffiliated judge militia. And its main industry is entertainment. Basically. Oh, God. (laughs) After the big nuclear wars that destroyed everything, Emerald Island was reclaimed and built by Britsit as an island-wide amusement park. (sighs) Really, like, feels kind of, yeah. Not cool. Dreadwatch is an advertisement, and it's so goddamn Irish, it makes my teeth feel like I've just drank in a shamrock shake. (sighs) I mean, it's kind of like if you just blended... Lucky Charms and milk together, and then threw in some whiskey for good behavior. I guess it's real tire dumb. To tire to tire, indeed. Um, at the Charles High uh, High Memorial Village, who was the uh, the Tau Siege of England at that, or of God damn it, the Tau Siege of Ireland at that time. Basically, the Prime Minister of Ireland. Um, a bunch of tough looking dudes are unhappy that all they have to eat here is goddamn potatoes because they're forced to be Irish stereotypes. And I mean, boil them, mash them, stick them in a stew. Uh, I made a reference. Yeah, go to Hell Sam Gamgee. <laughs> What's taters, precious? That's what I say. That's Staples, the Mega City One assassin, is dismissive of these complaints, but happy to take their money. Uh, but on the other hand, on the third hand, also disrespectful of their less than murderous methods. Like, you're terrorists. Come on, guys. Well, you know, I guess Staples isn't so into a staple of this diet. All right. Okay. <laughs> We're moving on. <laughs> All right. 
Woo! Meanwhile, Dredd has arrived at, at the Emerald Isle exit of the uh, Black Atlantic Tunnel and goes down the Atlantic Bridge, where a bunch of basking soggies serenade Dredd with songs about how dirty the water is before they are violently murdered and made into fish fingers. This is a weird thing. Also, why I don't eat frozen fish. Feels like it's probably um, made of gross things. Listen, if I stopped eating things because it was gross, I wouldn't eat anything, Fox. At the end well, of the bridge, Dredd's met by Judge Joyce, and he offers Dredd a chance to chill out after his journey, but Dredd's not interested. You know, head for a pub? No way. He's all business. Back at the terror base, Staples is egging the sons of Aaron to go do some <laughs> real terrorism. You know, if you if you kill enough folks, make enough trouble, then they'll end terrorism here forever. Come on. In Murphyville, Joy, uh, Joyce and Dredd are pub crawling, trying to find the sons of Aaron. It's not going well, and Dredd's pissed as always, especially because <laughs> Joyce definitely drinks a pint. Well, and has, these and has a to. wife, and is like, you know, he's just a, he is a literal person as opposed to being, uh, I guess, just a craggy-faced uh, boot-stomping person. Yeah, stick know. in the mud, yeah. Joyce orders a pint and asks the bartender for info. When Dredd notices some likely suspects, he starts kicking their asses, as you do. He searches the Jews, finding concealed weapons. And Joyce and Dredd have a discussion about methods and standards. Standards are Dredd stuff. Man, this gets cast aside real fucking fast. Like, I I was thinking (laughs) that there was going to be some kind of through line on this, whereas I think it's more of a teaching lesson on how to be a jackbooted thug. Yeah, it's way different than than his his relationship with the... uh, with, like, the Oz judges, for uh, instance, yeah. where they really, like, pushed back against Dredd. Like, Joyce seems to be going along here. Um, Dredd doesn't want to let up because the uh, this terror, this uh, mob blitzer turned terrorist Bonnie Staples is pretty bad news. You can't go easy on him. And an, unlo- an onlooker sees all this and calls the son of Aaron, telling them about the arrest and that an American judge is helping with them. When he says Dredd's name, Staples is clearly terrified, which is pretty cool. I, I it's mean, just like, oh my God. Yeah, this is bad news. And for the record, man, like just at that bar, and they had been to three of them at that point, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Juves with guns, people wanting to defend them, and an onlooker near the bar... I'm thinking that Who? there's actually quite a bit of these dudes. Yeah, something's rotten in, in the state of uh, Emerald Isle, for sure. <sighs> or at least, like, civil unrest because, you know, being sold out to fucking British corporations for your fucking government probably isn't super rad. Definitely. But, you know, and listen, you know, <laughs> I don't want to... I don't, I don't want to start singing uh, Come Out Ye Black and Tans or whatever. Oh, but, I mean, you know, look, this... I listen, terrorism is never the right way. Uh, but civil unrest, you know, just to grab a guillotine like everyone else did. Fox, I'd like when you say when you say those words, I'd like you imagine me holding my hand up and then my hand sort of like going up and down, like eh. Anyway, I gotcha. I see. I see. <laughs> um, theoretically, and um, 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 uh, I guess soft yes is what I'm trying to say. I, it's but o- anyway, it's only uh, it's only terrorism when when you're just uh, being a real dick about it. As well. God, anyway. So, um, Stables explains that he used to be a mob blitzer and dreads after him, but he still sends the sons out on their mission. Uh, but but lest he, does, lest he, also... he not remind us that he is a dick, uh, <laughs> he yeah. then punches yeah. a dude in the face. 
Well, he has the uh, the leader of this gang, Frank, stay behind and then knocks him out. You know, swift punch. Literally then, says, I'm going to frame you. Yeah, exactly. Later at Emerald Isle Justice Central, Dredd investi- um, you know, interrogates one of the Jews and we learn that the murder of the ambassador is just the beginning. Dredd wants – or sorry, Joyce wants to know when the, these attacks will start and then part of the building explodes. And uh, I feel like that answers, uh, you know, a question about, oh, God, when are they going to do something? Which is Dredd's exclamation. is like, yeah, okay. Guess what? They, yeah, they're blowing some shit up. Turns out they blew up more than just one place though. Yeah, it's the day that would be forever known as Bloody Monday Morn in Murphyville as, explosion, right, as explosions go off all over the place. The airport, the travel center, the spuditorium, not the Guinness Brewery. I mean, listen, buddy, <laughs> there, there are national treasures and national icons. And, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, I like a Guinness once in a while. Yeah, definitely. The Sons of Aaron are gonna are, are going kill crazy as Dredd does his best to black and tan their hides. Oh, I get it. Because alcohol, <laughs> beer, also alcohol. I get it. Because I drink. That's right. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna sheen a fiend their falls, buddy. Oh, oh I mean, yeah. That's... Conrad's got these Irish jokes. I he's do. Got these, the Conrad's got these IRA jokes. Be careful. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> There, th- listen, there's terrorist attacks all over the city and the TV stations under heavy assault as a dude dressed like Snake Eyes from G.I. Joe tries to kill a guy with a French fry I mean, gun. listen, so many dudes look like Snake Eyes in this. I cannot. But this guy's got, like, the visor. Yeah, no, the, visor, very... the visor's the real deal, right? Like, that is that is effectively, so that's the person that they are calling um, uh, Staples. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Especially because he's using the French fry gun, which we saw Staples using previously. Oh, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna open up a whole world of what you can do with a goddamn spud gun. It is basically right. a cooler fucking to me anyway, uh, a way cooler version than the lawgiver. Yeah, well, if just because you know, you could probably also have a lot. How do you or weaponize you know, you French fries, my dude? That's all I mean. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> Shoot them real fast, man. I mean, yeah, they get. I bet you they're extra crispy. They're that. That's that double fried from In and Out. You know. Ooh, a broadcast goes out calling for an end to all of the stereotypical Irish stuff and a return to self-respect for Emerald Isle. I mean, feels pretty back justified, at, but yeah, all right. Yeah, back at the station, it's time to go. So the masked figure, who we we're all assuming is Staples, sets his gun to smash and covers the station crew in mashed potatoes. <sighs> I, I, I mean, it must be molten mashed potatoes, right? It's got to be real hot and for so, area and so what damage. Is, so, you know, boiling point of, of potatoes elsewise, but this gun, does, like, I assume is not water-based or anything like that. It literally converts, like, what's the lava point of, of, of potatoes to where they are just scalding mash? I mean, I got to imagine it's pretty hot. Like, you definitely don't want to get hit by it all. I mean, I'll say that much. I, they look unwell. After this. Yeah, they get, they've been hit by these fucking plasma potatoes. It's no good. Wow. <laughs> the uh, the Sons of Aaron exit in a hail of gunfire and then run back in because the gunfire, they're surrounded. It looks like a stalemate, but Dredd's got an idea after seeing the station's glass dome. Oh, God. He- Never put a glass dome on top of your, I guess, th- most things, man. Jurassic Park nah, taught dude, me that. J- due for just in case. He rides into a nearby building, takes the stairs up to the fifth floor on his bike then drives through the side window there, out the side of the building, and down through the dome. Heads up. I, I, like, 
this just feels like an action movie thing that has not been done yet, and I wish it was. You know, crash well, through one I glass th- into a dome of glass and then smash your bike into a person. I mean, not the dome, but the, like there was one of those Fast and the Furious movies where they're in like du- du- Dubai. Oh, and they yeah. Where they're like going like through a, like all of the like super high rise buildings and shit. Yeah, they yeah, drive a sports awesome. car out one plate glass window and through a plate glass window of another nearby yep. skyscraper hey, listen. and stuff. Hey, listen. It, like that that whole movie franchise has gone from strength to strength. Uh, the only yeah. one being better uh, is Jason Statham, the movie, which is uh, just him having to survive by people uh, defibrillating his heart. Oh, crank! Absolutely, buddy. Listen, <laughs> that's top. That's those are top films. Um, oh, I should say also kind of reminds me of a uh, True Lies, that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. If you remember that one, I do. I mean, I do. We- I remember him like basically making his wife strip under the pretense that he wasn't her husband. Yes, uh, that was really also- fucked up. Definitely. And there's also a climactic moment where Arnold takes like a police horse and rides an elevator on the horse and then jumps from one building to another. That's sort of a similar thing. That I don't remember. That that one was actually filmed at the D.C. area and you can find the – there's a plaque in the elevator there that says this elevator was used in the filming of True Lies. It's kind of funny. Um, Anyway. So much horse poop. yeah, Dread showing up, showing down with these sons of Aaron and the guys, and they're like you said, they've all got Snake Eyes costumes to one extent or another. They try to hold Dread off, but man, he's unstoppable. Goddamn, Judge Dread. I mean, they, you can't use fucking root vegetables or, or at least starches against this man. No, no gourds or nothing. Um, <laughs> the Snake Eyes guy eventually. Runs and surrenders to Judge Joyce, but Dredd takes responsibility, thinking it's Staples, but it turns out to be one of the sons of Aaron, that Frank guy with a voice synthesizer, who's been hypnotized into thinking he's Staples to cover his escape. So, I mean, apt, apt uh, description, other than the fact that it is so strapped to, like, the voice synthesizer is not, it's a non-optional accoutrement. Like, if that makes any sense. It is BDS. Basically, uh, it's a ball gag. I mean, that's the best yeah, way I can explain it. It's less a fun party trick and more a new lifestyle if you're using this kind of voice synthesizer. I mean, lifestyle, like, at least says consent in this case. This dude is both hypnotized. Well, we'll get there. Exactly. Things are mostly wrapping up. Most of the Sons of Aaron's have been caught or dead, but Staples could be anywhere. Suddenly, the imposter, Frank Neeson, wakes up. When Dredd asks about Staples, he starts freaking out, foaming from the mouth and then bleeding Oof, from there also. Not good. Yeah, he's pissed that Staples set him up. Um, Staples recognizes Dredd and uh, – or sorry, um, um, Neeson recognizes Dredd and through pain tells him to find Staples in the North Sector oh, Spudatorium. God, it is it is actually like a really cool thing to both look at and obs- like just read because it is uh, – like you don't realize how much uh, – like at least until uh, what comes after – like he's fighting the hypnosis that he's been put under and it's yeah. like such an like a huge amount of pain and he's just like wait you're dread you need to kill him i'm going to give you as much as you need to macguffin the fuck out of this plot so that you can go and shoot this man cuz uh <laughs> as much as like i want to save I- ireland uh you know really i will uh, have my revenge not a, yeah yeah not really <laughs> agreeing with the methods and also me being basically uh murdered 
So, you know. Yeah, he gives this information through, like, painfully through this psychic shield. But then once he does, he gives in, breaks free of the people holding him, and snaps his own neck, Steven Seagal style. God, it is. Uh, uh, uh. It, this was a real gross thing for me. I love the crack, by the way. That was a, that's a great uh, onomatopoeia. Absolutely, yeah. Anyway, now we'll get staples. So we're heading out to the Spudatorium. Looks like we're, uh, you know, going to need a staple remover. <laughs> Next time on Judge Dredd, do the mashed potato. Uh, oh, I prefer to do the twist. And uh, hey, Conrad, be- I'm going to ask you, do you like it like this? I mean, tell, I'll tell me. you that a, that a Frank Neeson guy just did the twist, buddy. Oh. To his own neck. Oh. Good. It's real good, Conrad. I'm I'm liking it. The the I only have one I, I wouldn't even call it a negative. I just have a note. Really feel like the uh you know, these judges are taking a real back seat, especially with the front loading of like, hey man, maybe uh kind of like you're you're the handout for a mm-hmm. handshake, you know? And I, I don't feel like, it, well, basically the Oz judges were so much more like this is our town kind of thing, which I'm glad that these dudes aren't. But, you know. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, I'd say yeah. like. They, they seem I'm, to take I'm, a huge backseat. That's all I mean. I agree. And I'm, I'm, I, I think I'm less up <laughs> on this story than, than you are, Fox. Because I, I like the kick to I the really, groin and the shooting. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I like the action, and a lot of that's down to Steve Dillon, who's really um, to Dillon and Simpson, who are doing really who, who are doing really s- some really good action art here as mm. Dred's taking these guys down. And I kind of like the character design of the uh, Snake Eyes costumes or whatever. Oh fuck yeah! But like, but like, man, like, I guess it like you, I, I might be able to accept it because this this this. Um, um, country is designed to be a um, like a stereotype God, carnival yeah. or whatever. I, I wonder like, how much of that is is intentional, if that makes sense. But then the I other mean, half of me is like, yeah, but also, you know, at least the the just, Irish folk that I have worked with who are, you know, I would call good friends of mine, uh, you know, have have some feelings about shit. It's just. Yeah, it's just a lot. Like, if if just because I feel like, you know, I mean, like, there's some like Garth Ennis did this a little bit actually in the in the Chopper story we recently saw in the mm. in the Judge Dredd magazine, where the Chief Judge of Oz wears this like stereotypical um, Australian hat, this hat that's got like corks oh, hanging off the, the off the ends of it, yeah, with like the just, the gator teeth or whatever. Yeah, which is kind of like the Australian version it's... of like the sombrero or something. Oh, but, oh, like, oh, oh, oh. Gotcha. But, like, it's not like – no, it, it's not a Crocodile Dundee hat. It's a whole different yeah, thing. Yeah, because I was going to say um, that's actually a cavalry hat, but uh, – No, anyway. no, no. This is like – like, like this is a different Australia thing where they have a hat where, like, literally, like, it's a wide-brimmed hat and there are, like, corks on – like, wine corks on strings Whoa. hanging from the, uh, from, the rib, from the brim of it to, like, stop bugs or whatever. I mean, Australia's but, um, got style, clearly. It's something, but like it's a very like stereotypical uh, like Aussie, like an actual Australian. Like th- these guys are ding that, dongs, and much less like I don't know. Well, yeah, it's it's more something that a per, that someone who is um, going on holiday to Australia would wear than an actual Australian would wear. If that makes sense, that does make and, sense. But like, if you think of like the Oz judges, like they <clears throat> didn't use boomerangs. 
if that makes sense. Or yeah. their bikes, they didn't ride kangaroos instead of bikes or whatever. <laughs> or at least a bike that, like, is shaped like a kangaroo or something. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I get what you're saying. And, like, if you think of, like, Britsit judges, like, we're starting the uh, the Armitage story. Oh, I mean, they have in, lions um, for days, and the also magazine. their They've helmets got- are amazing. Like, they've got lion imagery and stuff. But, but this like, one's all, like, green and white, and they all drink and, yeah, like, are way like more they're, loose. They're, their guns aren't, like, umbrellas or something like that or whatever, you yeah. know. I, I, like, like they're all dressed like Thompson and Thompson or something. I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, British stereotypes. But, like, Ireland is so, is so, like, this Emerald Isle stuff is so stereotypical. Everything's green and white. The main judge we see is drinking Guinness constantly. Why? Like, why are we? Why are we being aggressive towards people and shit? Right? Like, I, I, I feel you on a, that. I so like yeah. It, like I mean, we'll sort of talk. Like we'll sort of learn in the nerve centers and stuff. They go to great pains to say, you know, yeah, like Garth Ennis is a, is an Irish author, and everybody who's working on this one is like living in Ireland. It's like it's just there's it's very thick here. As opposed to other places that we've seen in Dreadworld. I, I guess you know? I just mean like, you know, the little voice in your head, like, maybe we shouldn't, you know? Yeah, and then and then especially to come out like in nineteen ninety when uh, you know, oh, I made God, I yeah. made a couple IRA jokes here in the safety of twenty twenty, but in nineteen ninety oh, no. in nineteen ninety one when things are kind of ramping up ahead of you know, I mean we're ramping still like up. Like, yeah, five or six years away from the Good Friday Accords and things like that, you know, to have the this potato based destruction be called Bloody Monday Morn or whatever. It's just like it's (laughs) not a huge fan. It was it was a choice. Uh, This uh, like that's that's uh, so sort of when I when I say like the 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 note I have about these dudes taking a backseat, it's because so you sort of have you have this potential to have a juxtaposition, right? Where yeah. on one end you have these people who like do have good intentions and don't want the country to be just kind of like you you clearly have an enemy. The enemy is that like kind of business from from like Brit sit um like buying into yeah. that. There is a clear through line where you can make that um I would even say, like, just take the only thing that was good about Robo Hunter, and we'll get there, and put it in this, mm-hmm. and suddenly this like has a little bit more context, and you put mm-hmm. on one side these freedom fighters who don't actually like their first thought wasn't to just murder people, right? Um, right, and and continues to not be until this dude kind of incites violence because he's insane. Uh, and then on the other end, you have these, you know, judges who are like, hey, man, like, we don't treat our citizens this way. We're tra- like, we're trying to uphold the peace and uphold this and that. But them having this kind of moral dilemma because maybe they're getting barked at from the top. There was so much they could say. And instead, it just seems like a... And so we just got a lot of potato jokes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's my like, okay, thing. Thank you. Like, I, yeah. I, no, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And it, 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 like, I know that was a that was a long aside. It's it's more of I I feel no, I feel like the yeah, actions the actions really great here. I'm just missing the story. If that makes sense. Yeah, I just wanted to, to stop just to kind of talk about this a little bit. So I think we've sort of, you know, yeah, yeah. this one again, like, listen, I'll watch like, like, I'm, I'm happy to see Steve Dillon drawn people get exploded. But, like, this is, 
I also think that that people sort of being down on this story have a couple justified reasons is what yeah, I'm sure. trying to say. No, no, everybody likes someone getting blowed up. Yeah. And speaking of people with oh, with semi-justified reasons, Fox, let's talk oh, about God. Thrill 2, Nemesis, and Deadlock. Man, I'm happy the way that this goes. Um there's so this is this is so dumb and I love how dumb it is. Yeah, that's fair. Uh script robot Pat Mills and Tony Skinner, art robot Carl Critchlow, letting robot Steve Potter. Nemesis and Deadlock prepare to fight for the death or fight to the death, but then remember they did that in Prague 700, so whatever. I, I love I love like this callback where they're like, wait, we did this already. Like like uh, like you leave with a cliffhanger and they're like, uh no, wait, nah, brah. Like yeah, that's it's got to it's got to be the weird goblin lady. Yeah, that means there's only one option, which is that, like you said, Rasalka has been the enigmas this whole time. Oh man! Oh, it's Chernoborg. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, the dark, the darkness to her pure light. And she mentions that she offered everybody a chance to embrace the light and healing. Pretty much every time something happened. I mean, listen, she I just kn- wanted to fill your dark soul with light. And that yeah. is something no one is going to get. But the one of you that does, I'm giving you a thumbs up right now. Over my head. But um, yeah, so now they have to answer to her dark side. The lads fight the monster to no avail. Instead, Nemesis tries to go for Rasalka, who hits him with a rainbow hand beam. Oh, man, I... <laughs> this was the best. It was. I, I love. I, I I love her whole thing. That's all. I I think she's yeah. the best so far. She's fun. It hurts him, but he tosses the sword sinister at her. Goes right through her heart, but you can't kill her because she's the source of purest light. <laughs> and Nemesis and Deadlock are, of course, holy amoral forces of chaos, sex, death, and so what. I mean, kind of. I feel that- like one of them is a robot, and definitely like while I think that he could fudge. He does not fudge. You know what I mean? Nah, he's a chaos robot. Like, he'll do weird stuff to you, buddy. Don't sleep on that. I mean, I'm into it. Nah. Rusalka knows that they can't be allowed to fester, so it's time to put them to sleep. To the tester? Mm. Maybe even put them on a fester's quester? It's a Nintendo <laughs> joke. All right. Oh, I know. Oh, thank God. Fester's Quest is one of my favy games. Nemesis and Dan Deadlock are at the mercy of Rasalka and yes. the Chernoborg. But the Warlocks have an idea. Strike both of them at the same time and it works. I All mean, right. like basic, basic boss knowledge here. Yep. Uh, Rusalka lies dying and requests a dying bedtime story. Luckily, Nemesis has a copy of Six O'Clock, Six O'Clock Tales for Children uh, in his big pile of books. I mean, the truest and most devilish of all of his fucking fiendish material. <laughs> Deadlock gives him a hard time for all this, but Nemesis is fine with that. Listen, Rusalka was pure good and innocent and worthy of respect. And also, so he he's this- pure weird. So, I mean, I guess he'd just have a child book around. Yeah, he's a weirdo. We all know it. Nemesis reads the story and Rasalka dies sucking her thumb. Oh, it's very, very cute Aww. death here. It, it, is, it is cute, other than the fact they stabbed her through the fucking body. But, you know. Snuggled gonna... up against her giant red dark side demon listen, teddy bear. Listen, someone shoots me with rainbow beams from their fingertips. I mean, you're liable to get stabbed. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's just what's going to happen. Definitely. Yeah, the warlocks leave the, leave the temple, another magic convention done, dusting their hands off. Um, 
pretty much the same as last year. I guess that always happens. <laughs> Dead okay. God. Dead Lux Lux. Do you just have these conventions and kill all the wizards yeah. periodically? Dead Lux. Uh, Nemesis kind of shrugs. Um, uh, the answer there and- is yes. Like, it's rhetorical, yeah. I feel like. But he didn't realize he was asking. Oh, God, whatever. Stupid question. Deadlock goes to rejoin the rest of the ABC Warriors, and it's time for more adventures. Man, I'm excited about that. That's exciting me. This was a weird fucking, this was like a con story. Like, hey, you know, I had to take a dump so bad at a con, but I couldn't get into a bathroom kind of story. (sighs) Oh, my God. The two warlocks part as bros, and we learn that Deadlock plans to turn all the warriors into creatures of chaos by the time he's done. And they've got a lot in store, as they haven't even met Hikate yet. I the mean, end! they weren't agents of chaos already. They rode dinosaurs and, like, shot... I mean, like, whatever. Like, uh, if anything, the that fate was you make, a, I guess. Were, if anything, they were agents of orders there because they well, were trying to return, like, peace and prosperity to Mars at, at that point. I mean, you know, under whose authority? Like the human government, I guess. That's what they were spreading Man, the word that about. that sounds like some humanist bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Because we are humans. Oh, yes, and wait, no, I completely – you are correct. We're good. That's right. Human Humanity human, intact. As can be. Oh, look at my gross skin. It's ah, covered God, in hairs. I'm trapped in a flesh prison made entirely of water. How does this work? Whoa, I got guts. Um, yeah, but the ABC Warriors <laughs> will return in the fall. And I think this might be all from Nemesis until 1993, actually. A little I, bit. So we get some more listen, Nemesis. I, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm pretty tapped out on Nemesis. Uh, but I am full in on ABC Warriors uh mossy menos on the whole you know deadlock portion of it just because it got i feel like yes, it's right am, it's written in a corner at this point you know what i mean i agree i am ready for more non-deadlock elements of abc warriors i want to see Rojaws and hammerstein doing some stuff i got a new appreciation from those for, for those guys Listen. post star lordathon mechquake also oh, hell yeah um, dude i want some joe pineapples being super hot and also just like super not into everyone else's bullshit. It's like, no, nah, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm just Joey Pineapples. Yeah, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to do what I need to do. But mostly, you know, fuck off. I'm Joe Pineapples. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of sexy ass robots and tight leather, Fox. Oh, God <laughs> Christ suck. almighty. No. Don't, don't give About it praise. Th- yeah. Thrill 3, Robo Hunter. You script know, robot Mark. Oh, sorry, no, no, no. Please, <laughs> let's let's get through that. Script robot Mark Miller, art robot Jose Casanova, sledding robot Tom Frame. Listen, do you know what I remember? Uh, I remember a time, Conrad, uh, when Robo Hunter was funny, mm. and like everything, like every time Slade tries to like have a conversation with people in the current iteration, it goes effectively one of two ways. The first way, mm-hmm. the most common, is that shit sucks and I'm dealing with emotional situations. And then, like, uh-huh. sometimes, like, in, like, uh, I think it was, like, 728, where they're just, like, hanging out at dude's gross apartment where he killed all his robots. Um, <laughs> they're, like, trying to do some yucks uh, as he power gloves his, his like, uh, glove on or whatever. Um, none yeah. of it's funny. None of, oh. of of Robo Hunter is funny anymore. And and at the very least, the the most fucking inane version of Robo Hunter where everyone excuse me, everyone sings songs for God 
knows how too long. Uh, mm-hmm. Like at least it was trying to be. At least it was trying to be like uh, like relaxing. Um, Robo Hunter sucks. It is it is a lot of emotion for a character who quite literally like just blew up two of his closest friends because they they were kind of evil. And then they do the twist, which I'm not going to do right now. But it's just like, all right, so who the fuck cares, right? Who cares? Just like Robo Hunter, who cares? Who cares, right? Uh, it's just it was really frustrating for me reading Robo Hunter this 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 month. Ah, uh, anyway, I'll let you get to your synopsis, but I just wanted to let people know I'm not I'm not happy about this. Hey, I'm glad we're on the same page, God. buddy. Um, God damn it. Yeah, so. Sam Slade is back in business going after an insane robot police officer or cyborg police officer, I guess. But the kind of cyborg, like uh, a Terminator kind of cyborg where you're a robot that has skin as opposed to like a part man, part robot like Tanner later in um, or part man, part machine like Tanner in a below zero. Anyway, the. He's getting all dudded out in the finest leather, leather gear a montage can provide. But Gaz, a younger fellow Robo Hunter, isn't respectful of this new look. But Cutie says he looks nice. Yeah, sure. Gaz has his Robo Meter slash Walkman Buster put on the best of two-tone, which is, of course, a early 80s mix of ska, punk, and new wave. But instead of the specials, the bot puts on the bloody new kids. Oh, no. Could he have the droid virus? Meanwhile, a human couple's running down the streets as robots in trench coats and hats come after them. They stole like, food what? because is they were like hungry. Is this like a Dick Tracy reference that I don't get? Yeah, these seem like the, like Dick Tracy bots for sure. Uh, they stole food because they were hungry and now uh, the knives are out for real, I guess, when suddenly a bike goes flying and explodes because the cyborg cop has arrived. You don't have authority to kill these looters, I guess. The bots open fire on the cop to shred his clothes a bit. In a nod to what you said last time, actually, the uh, cop raises his glasses and makes the bot explode. The humans thank the cyborg for helping him, but it's your standard Judge Dredd situation because they still broke the law and now they got to die. <sighs> it's, you know, all right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. At the boardroom at police headquarters, an older, crazier owner of all the cops is yelling at the Nixon-like chief of police about this whole robot Cy- rogue cyborg cop thing. The only good character uh, in this entire fucking comic book is this old businessman, which feels weird to say, man. Feels real weird. Got kind of an of, of an R. Lee Emery kind of uh, like the guy from um, Full, Full Metal Jacket. The, oh the yeah, drone yeah. Structure. He actually looks exactly like that. Like if you cartooned like, him up to fuck. Yeah, and the version from now. Like, I think he might be actually a little bit too young to look like this in '91. But um, yeah. But the 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 chief has a plan to fix the infest the infected robots. But the CEO isn't hearing that. He's all pissed off. He fires the chief. I mean, wouldn't you? I would. Yeah. It's like why? Like you got to tell me about this shit and also handle your shit. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sam and Gaz are tooling around the city in Gaz's sweet scooter. Cuties picking up the trail of the cyborg cop, but Gaz's tracker Buster isn't doing so well. He's clearly come down with the virus and is slowly dying. Zam is gutted because of this, because you see, he was the one who started the whole virus thing. <sighs> yeah, okay. I mean, that's fine. 
I guess. He says snutting here, which is some decent future swearing. Because of that, Sam attacks Gaz and the two scuffle and through tears, Gaz explains that he wanted his robo hunter job back. So he did the virus to make some extra work. But then it all got out of hand. And honestly, this whole city's looking pretty dang post-apocalyptic <laughs> or actually mid-apocalyptic right now. I mean, yeah, all right. The, uh, the Why is this character? Call- oh, wait, no, because he's he's the bad guy. Because I guess we had to introduce someone to be the bad guy who isn't the bad guy that we have to deal with, I guess, because Pretty happy much. birthday, mom. God, I just, it's, all right. Yeah, yeah uh, the cyborg cop, well, in my recaps, I'm calling Rotor Cop, which I think is pretty oh, solid. Oh, God, another callback. Bad movie to reference. Dude, no, I'm, I appreciate our Rotor callbacks. <laughs> yeah, we did it last time, too, so just keeping that up. Yeah, so Rotor Cop drives through the rainy city in a taxi cab, the dead body of the cabbie next to him. Because of calling his mom for his birthday, he's recently learned that he is a robot and is having a lot of problems dealing with it. He keeps calling his fake mom's number from his robot memories, but there's no answer. Instead, through the rain, he arrives at police headquarters. There, a cop tries to stop him, but the cyborg cop knees him right in the gut (laughs) with a knee knife that pops out of his knee pad. I, I never knew I wanted a knee knife until now. Knee knife seems such like, like you're already kneeing somebody, you know? Mm hmm. So why not just also have your knee be a knife? It's a knife knee. Knee knife. Yeah. I want all my padded areas to also have blades coming out of them. Knees, elbows, all that stuff, buddy. I I mean, look, elbows I'm a little bit less in control of. But, you know, when you have a KN and a KN, uh, you know. Ooh, that's right. The knife. Yeah, you can... You, you can just write KN twice and then put IF and E on the bottom. Oh, my on the other God. Side of it. Oh, That's it's branding. Like, oh, my God, Conrad. We need to make the KN, KN dash uh, 1FE or 1F3. <laughs> yeah. You've heard of a K bar knife. Here's a KN knife, friend. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm so excited. <laughs> He makes his way, the cyborg cop makes his way through police headquarters, doubting his humanity. Up in the main office, Nixon is feeling very sorry for himself in a very luxurious bathrobe. When the cyborg comes rolling in, he demands the chief produce his family and friends or he'll kill you. I mean, I I feel, okay, well, clearly they didn't give him logic circuits, I guess. Like, why, Mm. why would a man in a fur coat sitting behind a desk have your... Mom and because he's the police station, he'll he, he'd know where they were if anybody did. I mean, um, I feel like that's well. Anyway, he's also a police just, officer. So yeah, just outside police HQ, Sam hands Cutie over to Gaz because oh, he's God, young and needs the help. What a weird situation that won't mean anything later. And Sam knows he's probably going to die here anyway because the cyber cop seems tough. Gaz and Cutie try to coordinate with Sam as they sort of, um, I don't know what this, you know, they're just diehard in their way through this police station, I guess. Oh, um, uh, precinct, uh, or taking a, no, taking a Pelham was, uh, was not a precinct. It's oh, like sorry, pre- assault on precinct 13 Boom. in their way through the thank building. You. Yes. Thank you. That was teamwork making the dream work, baby. Absolutely. But it seems the, uh, the radio waves are being like messed up here what, for some reason. Whatever. But then suddenly, you know, Cutie has evil eyes. And I guess it doesn't matter that she wants to actually kill Slade for reasons. She just will just kill well, any human or remember, whatever. Remember that she loves Slade. So maybe she's jealous that Gaz Man, has been, that she's been given to Gaz. She wants Sam back. I, listen, I'll be perfectly honest. If, if I could care, I don't. 
her she does basically um, she has the like yeah. the like bloodshot drunken eyes of all of the other murderers because all robots in this yeah at the at the chief's office cutie says gash go in and we see your face twisting in an evil mask Inside there, Gaz finds the chief cowering, who doesn't notice the cyborg cop behind him, and the cop shoots Gaz in the back and then shoots finishes him off. Why didn't you warn me? Meanwhile, Sam is sweeping the lower levels, getting worried about this cop, and now he's coming after Sam. He right. bursts into an elevator, slides down the cable there, and then bursts out the door. Oh, cool. Bad times. Yeah, I thought this was a cool sequence, especially just the fl- the smoke coming out of his hand it's as he sort cool of fire man pulls you know? down the cable. And Sam contemplates going back to being an ice cream man. Next time, tough luck, Sam. I mean, listen, we I, – I mean, I'm, I'm going to uh, just call this one – Obviously, dude said, oh, Sam Slade is the one who did the bad. And then that robot is going to be like, you did the bad to my mom, I believe, exists. Because that's the only reason that this dude is like on a rampage. Yeah. So, you know, he's got he's got Blade Runner problems. I I, I just want to say that as much as like I'm not a fan of the story of this. Um, Casanova's art is amazing. Oh, throughout, oh, throughout this story. No, no, no. We've we've talked like, about Casanova's at length. He's talk, he's like, a beautiful boy. Yeah. This time I mentioned the rain a lot, and especially like in the third part of the story, all of this like torrential rain covering both like the the, the car that the cop is in, mm. and then at police headquarters and stuff. Just all this extra, all these effects and stuff are really amazing and really ama- really great work in full color by Casanova. You know, I it's feel really about it, Conrad, is that uh, I remember the days of Sam Slade and I remember so much of the experiences that we've been through and the things that we've seen. And those memories are now gone like tears in rain. <laughs> I've seen Hoagie and Stogie off the belt of Orion, buddy. Oh, <laughs> see, that's that's my dude right there. That's the Conrad speaking, movie database. You think you're not gonna? You think I'm gonna like not get a blade? Like, come on. Listen, I'm hey, a blade speak, runner. Speak, you gonna blade runner? Let's blade runner in front of each other. Speaking of films that I know about, but I'm far less familiar with Fox. Let's talk oh, about Thrill Four, Bix Barton. <laughs> Script Remember when Bix Barton ended? <laughs> I do. I do right now. Script robot Peter, Mil- P- Peter Milligan, art robot Jim McCarthy, learn robot Gordon Robson. Bix Barton on the trail of a snuff filmmaker based on the Carry On oh, films. God. This is getting rough. It's really – you're. Uh, it's gross that that is exactly correct. Yep. Bix is on is uh is on the trail of his old nemesis Steve Ditto, the astral projected man. The worst part is that he astrally projects a bunch of saliva falling off his teeth into the bottom of his mouth. Very gross. Uh, God, it's really just all of this is real gooey. Uh, don't like it. Yeah. Uh, Ditto has a new idea for a film: the disgustingly slow and agonizing death of Bix Barton. Suddenly, a train bursts into view. The very same kind of train that Bix threw Steve Ditto from the back of in 1942. He's trying to rewrite history with the help of the Carry On gang. Luckily, Bix is made of stern stuff. He thrashes these actors with judo tosses and dodges out of their way so they hit each other in other cases. He's holding his own. It's been months since he had a good scrummage. He's been in that scrawl. Uh, Steve isn't done yet, though. Steve Ditto, he presses a button, and some kind of gas envelops Bix, and he passes out. (laughs) Um, 
This is Bix, anyway. Bix wakes up tied to some train tracks with a train heading right towards him with a con with combine harvester blades on the front. This train's got a brand new har- combine harvester, and Bix Barton ha- and Bix Barton is the key to it, buddy. All right, that's one for the Brits. Um, things look bad, but luckily Bix Barton plans ahead as he has Kane press a button on his watch, which sets up some dynamite he's got in his car or something, and that sort of upsets the train. Mm. Steve Ditto once more escapes as Bix gets aboard the train and then drives back to London to turn in the Carry On Society. It's real the, weird. Uh, this is all so wrap, weird. Gets wrapped up real fast. Uh, back at the Department of the Irrational, Bix explains he twigged that the safe house was a ruse. Though? Does he explain no. it? Yeah, yeah. He says he, he says words, that Conrad. He recognized that this government guy was a fake, and so he said a code uh, word to Kane, which told him to fill the back seat of his of his car with explosives. God, but so I mean, we didn't just know case. that. We, I no, mean, oh, you know, God. So Bix Barton is the only fucking like levity thing in this comic. I love everything of uh, just the the nonchalance of explanation in this uh, oh, comic. Yeah. It was really great. Naturally. I mean, I think part of the joke is just that. Who cares? There's no Who way. Who cares is the joke. It's amazing. Well, and that there's, there's no way we could have known what this twist was. So it's just like, okay. yeah, like, yeah, like very, who cares? Like, like, res- but like, I don't know. Well, oh, sorry. Like, I, feel not, like, I don't mean it like uh, uh, dismissively. Like, I mean, more of just like, I mean, let's have fun with it. You're, you're no selling everything I'm saying, but I'm sorry. trying to say that like, if we ex- like, if we know that Bix Barton is like trying to be a send up of like these old timey movie serials and stuff like that, yeah. like and like radio plays or whatever else, like this is the kind of thing that they would end with of just like here's something that seemed not just innocuous but not even noticeable at the time that ends up being a deus machina that uh wins the day basically just (laughs) fine with me because they literally like okay so you are correct but also just that the way in which they treat that is just like yeah that's what it is yep like that's no definitely i i you know what i enjoyed out of this entire comic one or this month one thing that was just like, yeah, just it's a comic book, man. Like, don't think about it. <laughs> like, it was yeah, great. Definitely. And I'm going to put this straw in my mouth and then go into my magic bath. Yeah, Perkins tries to tell Bix about what's going to happen with the Carry On gang, but Bix simply uh-huh. doesn't care, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and he sinks back into his magical <laughs> bathtub. The end. I and that was the part I loved the most about the whole thing. It's like, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, no, really, I'm listening. I really am. Uh huh. <laughs> I'm gonna be underwater for a little yeah, bit. Dude, I'm yeah, dude. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay in my eternal youth bath, uh, breathing through this straw for reasons. I yeah. I love this so much, especially when it's just like, oh, I'm just gonna like magically come through on a giant fucking coal train. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, Bix Barton will be back in uh, June of 1991. We aren't done with this guy just Listen, yet. Listen, thank Christ, because if I didn't have something. That had some levity. I think I would go insane. Oh, come on. We got some stuff. Oh, sure. Um, speaking of speaking of laughing all, all the way to the bang, Fox, all let's right, talk buddy. about wow. Thrill 5 Junker. But do we have to is my question. Yes. 
Well, you know, we can do it real quick, I guess. Uh, script robot Michael Fleischer, art robots John Ridgway and Tim Perkins, leg robot Alita Fell. Here's here's the TLDR. He's the worst still. Even at the <laughs> end, much. he's the worst. It's all right. Blue Space Lady VJ has revealed herself to be evil and has told her goons to kill Junker Dennehy and his green buddy Raz. Luckily, they're in a hallway full of aliens that hate VJ to spend an animation. So when Dennehy breaks the glass, all these aliens come pouring out. They I mean, wake up real pissed. But Conrad, did he know that that would happen or did he just want to break some glass to distract people? I mean, I figured he'd do something, I, I guess. He literally yeah. said, like, oh, no, I just thought that breaking the glass would distract them. He, he yeah. had... The man has no plans. No, he's a hero who flies by the seat of his pants, buddy. Is he a hero? Is he? He's free. He's uh, footloose and fancy free. We're going to get to the end of this, and I'm going to ask you if he's a hero again. Anyway, the suspended animation gas has also messed people up, so the boys are able to make a run for it. They make it to a command station where they kill everybody and try to send out messages. Of real good. But to do so is going to require some jury rigging by Dennehy, which leads to them seeing some surveillance where we then learn that the baddies are using that crystal flower thing to destroy the son of uh, Venezgan. And, uh, you know, scab monkey's like, maybe we shouldn't just let them blow up a planet. And Dennehy is like, I don't give a shit. Like, basically just call me Dan Dare. Yeah, they run through corridors, but Raz takes a different way to try to stop things. Dennehy arrives at the hangar, finds his ship, and things seem good, but he realizes that he's alone as VJ comes on a view screen saying that she has Raz and VJ, and uh, Dennehy has to surrender himself. And weirdly enough, Dennehy actually cares about that, I guess. He likes his buddy, at least. VJ prepares to destroy the sun while threatening Raz. So Dennehy hops out of an air duct and starts blasting. He and Raz are quite a team as they handily kill this room full of dudes, presumably soldiers <laughs> of a war of a warlike alien race. Ugh. Then Dennehy takes a hand in um, destroying the. Uh, or yeah, wait, blah, blah, blah. yeah. He 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 tries to take out the other uh, flower beam that's going to destroy the sun. He does the old Star Trek reverse the polarity thing, which means that now they're going to get blown up, and they got ten minutes to escape. They get cut off. Dennehy prepares to play Alamo with these attacking baddies when suddenly there's blaster fire from behind. It's all those stasis chamber aliens. They tell Dennehy and Raz to escape. They'll stay here and make sure the Stun Destroyer's polarity stays reversed. The stasis aliens uh, cut back a little bit, agree to hold the line, so Dennehy and Raz book it back to the ship. It is, however, aging and falling apart very quickly because of the reverse polarity. When they arrive at the hangar, so VJ gets the drop on them. The pair hold up their hands and appear to surrender, but Raz whips a grenade from Dennehy's belt at uh, VJ and blows her up. <laughs> he has a thermal detonator. Yeah, they arrive at the ship and find it falling apart. Um, because of that, the ship can't quite take off, but if the larger... Um, craft around them falls apart enough they should be able to just sort of fall out of the ship and be okay and that works out right. they escape just as the ex- as the explosion goes off and the mothership explodes taken the alien fleet with it the day is saved and look at all that salvage so conrad all that salvage also includes the the literal body part remnants of the last of a species, like not just even one, like yeah, a dozen or so species. He's the worst person. They didn't, have, you know. They have they. For the record, there is a moment where 
the folks from the stasis chambers agreed oh, to no. sacrifice oh, themselves. Oh, no, they did. But maybe, like, you know, the last thing you could do is be like, I'm not just going to salvage all this shit because you died for this thing, I, and I'll just fly away learning a lesson. Nah, man. Like, who cares that he was a fucking Spaceballs cop? Uh, who cares that whatever, he literally does not care about anyone else. Um, the story says that, uh, he was 100% right about not trusting women. Uh, and uh, like, I hate Dennehy. I, I hate so much of this. Um, mm. and it super makes me bummed out. That said, uh, also uh, like other than the twist that happened, like I kind of like how it ended. If that makes sense. Like, if he was a better <laughs> character uh, and the twist hadn't happened or it was something else that they had to kind of confront, I would I would be a little bit more into this. Junker has so far been just, like, <sighs> the worst yes and, I guess. Mm. To me. I'm not saying that it's no. it's garbage. Maybe someone out there is, like, the, the biggest Junker fan in the world. I'm not trying to shit on you. But this, for me, was, like, Denicky might be the worst... But the worst angel <laughs> was bad guy. this is this is horrible yeah the addition the addition of of misogyny to the sort of cookie cutter 2000 ad hero has not been a good addition i'd say um but yeah so anyway the end of junker fox <sighs> like um, please all you need to say is junker will not return Junker will not return, um, but writer Michael Fleischer remains at large. He'll be taking over a new – he's got a new, new Rogue Trooper story this episode and all sorts of other stuff. Sure. I mean, um, look, man, the, the guy's the guy's working. I, I won't I won't hate I won't hate the 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 craft, but you know, maybe like mm. you know, less less of the old stuff, more of your own stuff. I guess Junker. I guess this is was that. His, this was his own stuff, buddy. This isn't God. That's... Rogue Trooper. Or uh, Harlem Heroes, somewhat the other Michael damning. Fleischer stuff. Somewhat damning that one. This is this is pure Fleisch. Oh. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I should say also, uh, uh, artist John Ridgway will return in fall of 1992 with both a a, a new Lurk, Luke Kirby and the Prague and Calhab Justice in the magazine. Ooh, a lot of craziness. Uh, All right, I don't I don't like the woof. Conrad. Well, don't worry. I mean, that, that's magazine business, so don't worry about it, buddy. Let's continue on to non-thrills, covers, and nerve setters. Oh, thank God. Something that uh, is, is actually enjoyable. Yeah. Hey, remember? Listen, we... Well, well, we'll get to the Arnold, the Arnold uh, 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 guess, which I think is hilarious. Yeah. I should say uh, 730s or 731s, a bit of a reboot prog. You'll notice that a lot of the stories we've covered so far have like one oh, or starting three now issues. or whatever. Yeah. So there's going to be a bunch of just new thrills towards the end of this thing. But anyway, prog 728, hook, hoof, tooth, and claw, nemesis, and deadlock showdown with the Enigmas in this Carl Critchlow cover. In the nerve center, Tharg demands that readers fill out the comment card and it's Igroid's birthday. He also promises that Big Spartan will return soon because it's ending this Prague and that 2000 AD won a comics award in Sweden. Hey, why not? Yeah, also there's new graphic novel collections out for Slain and Dread. And we learned the entire Emerald Owl creative team is based in Ireland, which is a lampshade that I find suspicious. Yeah, that's that's a little <laughs> based on our on our on our conversation yeah, earlier. No, our, our previous our previous mentions are and should be noted. Indeed. Prog 729, Jose Casanova draws Sam Slade in an explosion as a big bombshell is dropped. 
in the nerve center. Thrag assures us he's working very hard in the comic. Meanwhile, Igroid was just involved in a big p- comic pool comics industry pool tournament for comic relief. What? All right. Well, like you know that that, that that's that charity. Yeah, but I yeah, guess yeah. the 2000 AD staff and Marvel UK and whatever the name of the DC Comics imprint the UK was. They all had a big pool tournament. I guess I don't know. There's also a picture of, a, of the father and son writing team of Jose Casanova's senior and junior. Oh, man, that's so fucking cool. That means that that's yeah. like a father and son, like, ultimate duo, because I, I don't know, I feel like, like Casanova's has been there for so long for us and nailed it every time. Yeah, it's either it's either Jose's Casanova's or Jose Casanova's <laughs> mid-Prague. <laughs> Casanova, thank you. Ooh, mid-prog, there's an ad for the Titan Books uh, Predator collection. They also have Alien and Terminator comics yeah, out as sure. well. Thank you very much. I mean, that's it's <laughs> probably better than the Predator films, right? Ah, maybe. Later, there's a full-page ad for all three Horn God collections and a mixed column where once more Roxilla has opinions about bands that I've never heard of. Uh, all right. The prog, <laughs> yeah. The prog ends with input pages with pictures of Tharg the Great, like a sewer great. With I Jose like it. in the middle. Yeah, it's pretty solid. And a Judge Yosemite Sam. That's the one Bro. that I love the most. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Letters include a frequent subject of modern times. Um, sorry, the uh, yeah, the lapsed 2000 AD reader finally coming back to the fold. Mm-hmm. There's requests for reprints of 2000 AD of like just re- reprint like the progs in total, like just restart printing prog one uh, onward. That sounds expensive. I mean, it, it seems very niche, very niche to sort of be like as opposed to graphic novels and yeah, stuff. It's exactly. more, a more well, familiar way to sell old stuff. You, you got to make your money back also. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. That's that's why uh, they have no excuses in the digital era. Mm. And there's a kid who uh, whose dad wants old Rogue Trooper back. And Thark says, listen, buddy, these Rogue Troopers are essentially the same. Which one, <laughs> isn't true. And two, doesn't seem like something Thark should be saying in the in these input pages. Uh, yeah, I know? really I really feel like that's just like, oh, uh, no, ours is fun. Ours is fun. Just, uh, it's okay. Well, it's not even fine. It's just saying, like, what do you care? They're both just blue guys. It's all bullshit anyway. Like, dude, like, you know. I mean, a lot of them had, well, whatever. No, Com- listen, comic listen. relief in saying... terms of a, of a gun that could jump into your, into your fucking hands. That was awesome. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that, like, we shouldn't be saying that. I'm saying Thor should be saying that. Oh, no, no, that's exactly, that. yeah, sorry. This is me agreeing with you. And just, like, they are not the same, motherfucker. Yeah. Your job is to Speak- is to hype people on progs. Yeah, prog seven thirty, mean and metal. Richard Dolan has an excellent mean oh, machine man, cover. Man, the tongue is the best part. I'm so sorry. Yeah, means jumping out. We see he he's headbutting the 2080 logo, which is a little crumpled and stuff like that. So good. In a very blue nerve center, Tharg announces both the new Rogue Trooper and Mean Machine stories. Laments the end of Junker, which I say fine too. I'm yep. good with it. Yeah, Igroid. Igroid, meanwhile, is mentioning the uh, ninth issue of the Judge Dread magazine, mm. which Big Bag One will, which will be covering this Friday, which includes the, the debut of Britsit Mystery Thrill Armitage. Midprog is an ad for both Below Zero and the Judge Dread Mega Special, which we covered last week. The input page is pictures of Judge Tintin and Judge Macintosh computer, computer. Chloroform that motherfucker. Letters ask why Tharg looks so much like David Bowie. Question the praise of the cover of Prog 713. 
Bequest more Strontium Dog, specifically McNulty and Farrell drawn by Simon Harrison, as well as more Zenith. And the response teases that both are on the way, though um, Harrison won't be uh, uh, doing the art. Um, another writer requests a Judge or City block to be named after them, which apparently you can get for a hundred bucks, so that might be a joke. Uh, and they in, in turn joke about the poll tax, which was a big political hot button in the UK, I, which led to riots and protests. God damn it, it should be. Fucking poll tax. Are you kidding? Well, I mean, in like wh- when they say that, it's different than the American uh, poll tax, which you, which is basically where you've got to pay a fee. Or my understanding is that it's different because it's less that you have to pay to vote and more like just sort of a general like tax that everybody has to pay no matter what, basically. Got it. Um, and because it was often quite high, but also keyed to like where you lived and stuff, it was incredibly <clears throat> unpopular and led to a lot of uh, – it, it, it was basically something that didn't – like uh, – I mean, th- th- there, there were just a lot of protests about it and then sort of Understood. influences in popular culture. Like even like the – um in the magazine right now, there's sort of this fake newspaper with a continuing story about Me- uh, Mega City One's uh, block taxes, and that's basically a joke about the uh, bl- or a reference to the poll tax debate that was going on at the time. Uh. Anyway, the prog ends with a big full page ad for the Mega Special featuring part of Judge Death's big old head Hell from that yeah. cover. Seven thirty one. Steve Dillon draws dread, d- dropping dopes. It's Murphy's <laughs> Law. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> In the Nerve Center, Tharg recaps a good time head of the Glasgow Comic Convention, and Igroyd has the results of the UK Comic Art Awards. No. Won by a fair number of 2080 folks. Clearly. Including, including Mark Miller winning several newcomer awards. Midprog, there's an ad for Dr. Pepper where you could win a free mixtape and a clip to attach that tape to your belt to carry it around, I guess. 1991. Uh, real, real sad they didn't do like a whole, I'm a pepper, she's a pepper, this is peppy kind of. I feel I like there was old, something lost. That's more old school, I guess. Oh, now really? it's all about mixtapes. I don't know. Um, Midprog with Night Zero back, John Brosnan has a flicks column for us as well, rounding up recent film news, including the success of the movie Hardware based on a Dread story. And then production starting for both Robocop and Aliens 3, the relative success of Terminator, Highlander, and Predators 3, and Ugh. a little film called Jurassic Park appearing on the horizon, but won't be out till 1993. The, the real call out here is that it's like Star Wars again, and that uh, the, the call was George Lucas won't do another until getting Arnold signed on, and I'm like, what? <laughs> No. Wait, did I say Terminator, Highlander, or Predator 3 or 2? Because that should have been 2. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Highlander also 2 is, is, God, yeah. What a great film that was. Yeah, continued, um, like, you know, John Brosnan likes to make jokes about Arnold Schwarzenegger doing stuff, and this is sort of a continuation of that. Sure. For sure, not a Schwarzenegger fan, it seems like. I, I will say um, that while I did love Predator, I actually, I actually prefer Predator 2, if that makes, like... Glover is it's fun. so fucking fun. Yeah, it's got Danny Glover. With. It's in yeah. in the city. Yeah, well, and I love that whole fight. thing where it's like, no, you totally fucked up our guys, so we're gonna give you this fucking gun. Oh, by the way, we've been to your fucking planet like forever, hunting you. you. Know, it's a 
Yeah, because it's, it's like from a Roanoke or something like that. Yeah. Did you? Oh, uh, yeah. No, that that's right. Because they had to tie it into a fucking conspiracy shit. Yeah. One thing I like about Predator Two is that um, there's a fight in the subway, oh. and because there's not really a lot of LA subway things, if you look on the maps, it's actually on. A, they taped it on Bart, which was the big subway. Well, because that was know, the, the big in the San Francisco that was the Bay big deal area. thing at the time, right? Like, because they had just yeah. finished. One of the extensions, I think the tunnel had just opened at that time. Yeah, they were like just like, but they didn't have enough to film on. So they sort of like used Bard as a stand in for I mean, the well, existing and that one. That was real close oh. to when you actually got some predator lore where it's like, yeah, I'm going to pour this goo on my arm and that's going to cauterize my goo. Yeah, good times. Well, I think the goo was in the first one. But anyway, anyway, um, in the input section, there's pictures of armor of an armored Gudgeon, like armored <laughs> Gideon, but like maybe a fish. I don't know, and a very angular Judge Dove. I, I letters. Do, in, I do uh, like that. I like. I like the, like like the chin is overextended and the shoulder pads also. Yeah, the letters include a very strange note from a reader suffering thrill overload. Compliments for several recent progs, and a question if Bill Bailey, if the Bill Bailey story was based on Axel Rose, because I guess that's his real name. And <laughs> Colthar out for his bad attitude and his request for more Brigand Doom. The comic ads with an ends with another set of multiple ads for comic book shops and numbers to call to advertise your to advertise yourself. You can even fax them if you wanted to. For the for the young man uh, afflicted with uh, thrill overload, I suggest uh, some thrill suckers to take the bad blood away and replace those vile humors with uh, uh, ones made and propagated by the body. I just like the idea of faxing things, Fox. It's very classic communication mode. Thank you. These days, you just email someone a picture. It's not the same. Listen, um, what's the fax, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And speaking about learning new situations, let's go to Thrill Six Rogue Trooper. God, I I want more Gaia in my life, man. Nope, 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 nope. Script robot Michael Fleischer, art robot Simon Colby, coloring robot Gina Hart, lighting robot Alita Fell. Fleischer is not into the into the ladies, not into the mm-hmm. femmes. No, this story is called The Saharan Ice Belt War. We last saw Simon Colby doing the art for Universal Soldier 2. And it seems mm. like after the events of the previous story, Friday and Gaia um, have ended up at some kind of poison pool in the middle seems, of the dark forest. Seems skip, man. We, I guess we didn't need any of that. <laughs> yeah, even though the commander is dead, it's only a matter of time before someone calls comes to take his place. So Gaia has to stay behind, as you do. Guy embraces the GI and he walks off into the wilderness, heading over to a base affiliated with the commander. God, and everything maybe that happens there. here is so, I guess, like apropos. <laughs> right? Just like, a lot happening at once. Um, but um, on we, we go extremely narration heavy as Friday goes infiltrating and finds a smuggler base way closer than the one he was heading to. And while he's looking, while he's there, some dude gets the drop on him. Friday tosses some moss to this guy's face and they scuffle, going off the side of a cliff where the man falls into another one of those acid pools we saw earlier was a setup to know that the pools did this. So this whole thing is exactly what I mean by like, well, that was apropos of nothing because it's like, yeah, I did all of that and sure, there's a reason it continued, but it literally didn't mean anything by the end of this comment. Yeah, came out of note. Well, it it happens fast. Yeah, Friday picks up the man's leather leather pouch 
pouch. And then some other soldiers show up and are like, hey, you got that leather pouch. That must mean that you're the rep from Northwest Navigation Control who's selling his buddies out for some money. I guess your blue skin must have been a side effect of working on the Southern Krill line or something. So that's fine. I'm not questioning that. They take his pouch and assume he's another bro, and because of that, he can they can come he can come along with them as they go raiding in their sweet hover boat. But also, but, then that immediately doesn't matter. Yeah, because right after that, word comes down that the original guy Friday was is pretending to be currently was an undercover agent. So we got some double crosses and crosses and stuff coming up. So I I would say, what are those two pages even for in that regard? Right. But then it, because and, and this is, again, doubled down on the fact that as soon as we start 731, it literally wouldn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered if he had just shot his way through everyone. Yeah. I mean, this, literally. The end of 730 got me thinking that there was going to be like some intrigue. Are they aren't they intrigue going on in this boat? But instead, nope. there's just all hell going um going off all, all aboard it. it Friday's it, killing it dudes. It starts he, with a giant gush of blood shooting out of a window. <laughs> yeah. He tosses one guy onto a las drill. He hits another guy with some freeze gas and then exploding gas. Oh, that's a bad gas combo. <sighs> Listen. And Friday is back on his own again. He's killed everybody on this boat. Conrad, I want – I like, freeze it is pretty good, but exploding gas seems like maybe the worst gas. Is that just sugar? Like like high powder bottom, and sugar? What is exploding? Bottom five gases. I you know, like, what is exploding gas? I feel like it's feel not. Like there's a it's bunch not of exploding gas. gases. Well, sure, like based on you interacting with it in some way, but like a gas that on contact explodes just sounds like a grenade, you know? Yeah, an accident waiting to happen, certainly. But so everybody's wow. dead aboard this ship. Fox. So Friday goes to work. He sets coast. He sets course for Eastern Africa. And checks the cargo hold, finding some pretty sweet giant guns. The roads go, the ride's going smooth as Friday passes various remains of the future war and stuff <sighs> like that. Until eventually he f- pass, he approaches the frozen coast of equatorial Africa. Do I guess? you get it? Do you get it? Because uh, Sahara not not made vice. Yeah, I wonder what's going on. Maybe Earth's been tipped on its side or something, and so this is one of the <laughs> I Arctic mean, Zone or instead. Maybe also, like, let's just do the movie Tremors, but in the water. Well, kind of, yeah, because it's going smooth until suddenly an ominous shadow moves under the ice, and suddenly a giant fish destroys Friday's boat. Mm. He escapes with his big new gun, but the fish is coming after him. Next time, Jonah. Just to just to be clear, Tremors is a 1990s film, right? So to today. Oh well, uh, yeah. I mean, every every Trevor Tremors movie is a good movie. Tremors um, Seven came out in August of 2020, buddy. Is it is it actually like? Can I get like? Do I have to pay for it on Amazon? Do I have to pay so for Net- Tremors Seven? I mean, as, I, I watched it on. I've watched all the recent ones on Netflix. It is. We get uh, like, especially in Germany. Yeah, it's a little bit rougher, I, but. Man, is it at like? Did you watch it? You said, "Yeah, oh yeah, I've watched all the Tremors." Was it real? Was it real funny and also the best? Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, you know, they, you know, my, Michael Gross is still in it and all oh, that stuff because he's the one keeping it running, right? Like that's the thing oh, yeah. Red Letter Media was kind of poking at. Yeah, the I dad from uh, Family Ties has been in all the Tremors and the Tremors TV show. Oh, he was so even great. in the fourth Tremors, which was a prequel story set in the old West, buddy. Oh, that's right. 
with uh oh god who was that kind of fucking they had they pulled in an actor that like it was for the name but it was like I don't on, I don't know I... the actor's name but he also played the bad guy the bad guy cowboy in a uh, Briscoe County Junior the that uh one movie with Mm-mm. what's his name did not did not see that either it's a good but... show that's a good show Bill, uh, Bruce Campbell that was that was, oh, that was they, his show uh, okay oh what well was it was it Bruce actually Cam- not Bruce Campbell as the guy in Tremors, okay, but Bruce yeah, that's Campbell what I was like. Was... I don't remember Bruce Campbell being in no, Tremors, Bruce although Campbell I feel was like on this he show... would fit. Bruce Campbell was on this show, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., which was this like kind of steampunky, very meta like uh, comedy western TV show Why for a couple not years seen in the this, early Conrad? 90s. <sighs> You're missing out. Anyway, oh but, 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 but the bad guy in that show was also a gunfighter in Tremors 4. Anyway... Hey, speaking of vaguely Western sci-fi action, Fox. All right, here we go. Let's talk about 307 Mean Machine. Well, so is it? I love this, just for the record. I mean, we're going to get into it, but I love, I love this. Totally, yeah. Script robot John Wagner, art robot Richard Dolan, letting robot Annie Parkhouse. I should say we've seen Richard Dolan do a bunch of these like really like realistic looking covers that have been really awesome. Yeah, and I think it really works for this in a weird way. Yeah, and he draws he draws a good mean machine for sure. Um, Yeah, I I really like everyone's like kind of like look. Like they're they're they everyone looks like not cartoonish, but they look as though they're doing like the the intense version of the emotion that they're trying to portray. Yeah, and there's a lot of life drawing in this one yeah. too. We're drawing drawing from photo reference. I want to say. Yeah, I'd um, say that. Yeah, so we last canonically saw Mean Machine Angel getting arrested on Christmas Day in oh, 1985, so Prague good. 450, so long ago. Very Definitely. Oh but yeah. It takes but, a takes a whole different meaning to Bach sing day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm laughing for real. Now he's in the University of Mega City One where um a fella in a suit is trying to make mean sleep via hypnosis. It's not going well. I mean, listen, I, you nail that one. You've you've got like uh tenure in the bank. And I should say that um, a very clear thing here is that this professor is um, based on photos of uh, Curly from the Three That's, Stooges. So I was going to say, I was going to say, it looks so. Excuse me, sorry get, about that. We I, will it get felt Larry, like so uh, Three Stooges, but I didn't yeah, want to say that. We will get um, Larry's. Uh, a Larry and a Mo as time goes by in this story, I believe next episode. I'm not sure if we'll get a Shemp. I don't really know what Shemp looks like. I mean, anyway, um, definitely doesn't act like it. Definitely acts like actually no. someone real good at their job and doing good work, except for all those meddling kids. Yeah, he's not Larry-like, except in the um, violence that is occasionally um, um, done upon him. Ugh. But anyway... Um, Eventually, the muscle relaxants set in, and the doctor is able to take Mean hypnotically back to his childhood. He's a good dude. He was, He's a good kid. Yeah, a nice boy. He liked flowers and butterflies and bunny rabbits, at least until his brother Link killed his pet bunny. Hey, we hey, see hey. Mean as just one nice, per- one kind kid in a family of monsters. We see the whole family here. Mm. Fink in his hole, cooking poisons, Link being dumb and bad, and Baby Junior with his guns and bowler hat, the most evil kid in the world. <laughs> this was brought they up t- before, right? Like, uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 
making sure that no, I, I mean, wasn't. Yeah, we've seen we've seen flashes of the backstory of Mean Machine Angel back in the day a couple mm. different ways. Um, and just sort of generally like young mean doing stuff. One time they kidnapped a wife for him or whatever. Oh, that's it was a whole right. thing. And then, yeah, traumatic. Yeah. But so they tormented this young mean until Pa Angel kidnapped a doctor and made him give mean his trademark cyborg arm and head dial. Very in character for Pa. Definitely. Talking about this wakes Mean up from his trance and Bach, the doctor, a good one. At but least he was only doctor, one. Yeah. He has a plan. He uses hypnosis to revert Mean back to his nice, kind, 11 and a half year old self. And it works. Man. Even freed from restraints, Mean is a coward and a wimp. Cowering before this professor, Wally Dingbert, when he gets hit by <clears throat> a big mallet. Because Dingbird has a plan. I, He's going to rehabilitate this kinder, gentler mean machine. I, I will say, at least with the text, like, it's certainly, like, with the balking, with the mallet, it was meant to, like, kind of show something. Mm-hmm. He is not, um, like, derogatory or dismissive of mean. Like, he actually wants to help him. Which is yeah. what's like really endearing about the story, I guess. Like he keeps bringing it back. Of course, he's putting him on display, which, you know, I won't dig into that a little bit and, I mean, and how that the looks. Doc- but the, the, but the, he the wants doctor- to help him. Yeah, Dr. Dingbird here has the good intentions that start so many monster movies, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Doc- so a bunch of doctors. So Dingbird and another doctor debate the ethics of reforming Mean Machine as some no good college students decide to show this nice mean how to throw a headbutt. Well, because they, uh, they, like, they recognize him. They're like, dude, dude, one of your headbutts. And he's like, but uh, headbutt. But. I don't know. That doesn't sound very nice. And they're like, come on, do it. He's like, I guess I could try it once. And he's like, just trying to be like, nice and like feels, fit in. Yeah. That feels familiar. And then mm. Wally shows up and is like, hey, stop it. Get out of here. Listen, mean, you're a good boy and you must agree, and you must promise me to never headbutt anyone again. See, this is the thing. It's like he – he never reinforces it as, like, you're a danger or anything like that. He's like, hey, listen, it's a very bad thing that you did. This is what bad people do, in a way. Yeah. Um, and trying to contextualize, like, listen, they were they were not being friendly. They weren't trying to be your friends the way you think. Like, this is violence, <laughs> and you don't like yeah, violence. Yeah, he's trying to, trying to flowers for allergen on this guy, explain to Charlie that oh, this guy's that on his actually, friends. That's actually, yeah. Okay, yes. <laughs> Mean seems to agree and carries on mopping. Later, though, we find some kids Jimmy opened lockers and they convince Mean to open up a bunch more because he can use – he's got like a lock pick built into his cyborg (sighs) arm. Eventually, another professor shows up and threatens to tell Dingbert and the the judges about this. Oh, yeah. yeah, Sorry. That that no good Dean. Who runs him off. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, Mean runs and uh, he runs off in a panic as, the, pres- oh, as right. the dean calls security and goes to hide in a secret spot, which is right where some boffins are testing out a new time machine. Then you, you got to like yeah. wear your special time machine goggles or whatever. You got to put on these time goggles because the machine's oscillations can have severe effects on the human brain if viewed unhindered for instance the way mean machine is looking at him right now getting all weirded out see oh god I, I really god conrad sorry i'll let you end it no but no that's it yeah so we'll see what happens with that next time i i really i'm i'm so enjoying it like uh, okay after the first time 
Like, so first off, it, it's really great that they kind of put him to work doing custodial stuff because and, and sure. like he clearly enjoyed it. He was just, you know, he was fine. Um, maybe don't put him into custodial work in a place where both like Mega City students, I guess, all of which are no good nicks. Like literally, they're yep. all just no good nicks um, are around. But also where you're doing experimental shit that maybe he would like... I, I, it wouldn't like imagine that the no goodniks weren't there and he was just like, oh, I'm cleaning and I go into this room where I'm going to clean. But they do the time machine there and he doesn't realize. Right. Like, you know, start yeah. him off on on like more controlled uh, situations because that hypnosis can get uh, all sorts of whacked out. Um, but like I, I like it because it's it's very clear that what I uh, sorry, I, I know that I'm sort of rambling a bit, but I no, love no, no, that, that mean machine actually like deep inside. He's not a balker. Like it's it's funny that he boxed and that's kind of the like comic relief of the character. And I know that that's where it's eventually yeah. going to go, which is rad. So I do enjoy a good Bach. Um But I love well, that you know, he's, he's, yeah. he's he's got like he's got way more layers than the other angel gang, if that makes sense. Like the other angel gang, like rad as they were and, and great villains. Um, I like that that he's persisted for so long and has more depth being put into him versus, say, anything else that you revitalize and put very minimal depth into, not naming names. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been made that he's been made a mad balker by his evil family. Not, exactly. You know, not of, of his own volition or whatever. He's it, like I mean, I, like we've, we've talked about him quite a bit because he comes up occasionally. Um I love that that he's kind of this this weird. It feels like because fans aren't clamoring for fucking Mean Machine, you know, the way they do for I other don't know. weird stuff. I mean, we don't see we don't see letters about it, but I no. feel like Mean Machine's kind of a oh, fan favorite, oh, well, and well, I'd but say I, I feel like it's because a, it's of an his author favorite, which is what's making me happy about it. If that makes could sense, could be. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, because of the southern <laughs> accent. And uh, just what I feel like I've picked up for what uh, John Wagner likes. This feels like something that he likes to write for sure. Didn't feel um, bad to me while they felt like a whole passel of fun. And I done see, made some friends too. See, this is one of those things where I feel like um, like I've been a really – I've been deeply affected by the uh, – by the Stallone Dread movie, because oh, I I yes. can't hear Mean Machine talk and not hear the uh, the accent from that movie. I they definitely don't nail the drawl all the time, at least with the words. If that makes mm -hmm. sense, they they sure. slip in a little bit too many, like what I assume are UK, uh, nah. like I guess word yeah, choices. But, but like yeah, so no, but I strongly agree with you. Like th that that is literally how I read the Angel Gang the entire time, and still yeah. him. I'm hearing him. This yeah, giant big crazy accents. Ugh. Yeah, no, should be good. We're this story's called "Travels with My Shrink," so oh. we're gonna sort of see how this all works out over the next couple of weeks. So it should be good times. Please tell me they. Get I should say also. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I I I do like just that Mean Machine is sort of what like he, Mean is one of the few members of Dreads returning Rogues Gallery, basically, and and like, not the shit kind, if that makes sense. Like not well, the I bad mean, bad dudes. He's like I mean, fun. Yeah, he yeah he's he he's like a more fun one. You know. Yeah. I feel like we've already had that one story where he and Dread had like a buddy had a buddy adventure oh, yeah. and stuff like that. Oh man, I forgot about that. Yeah. God so damn you know, it. 
I like this character, and I'm glad we're seeing him back again. It's been too long since the last time. So weird that, of, I, that I had yeah. to wait till the back half of this to have some fucking comic relief. FYI. Yeah, well, speaking of, of characters I'm glad to have back, it's Thrill 8 Below Zero. Oof. You gave me chills there. I feel yeah. like I'm at freezing point. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Script robot John Brosnan, art robot <laughs> Kev Hopgood, letting robot Glib. Yeah, sorry, but I don't have a response. Uh, Night Zero's back and in full color. It's been over a year since the last mm. installment, so this prog is a bit of a catch-up. Um, we see t- uh, cyborg sci-fi cab driver Tanner. Um, you know, who is in the cyberpunk city of Zero, we'll remember that. And he's mm-hmm. newly famous as we see a news report recapping the end of B- Beyond Zero. I like this evil... way of dealing with a recap, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, they're sort of watching the updates on the news as evil crime boss Nemo was eaten by a big old sewer worm dealing. <laughs> yeah, now Tanner's a hero and they're going to give him the key to the city and everything. After the news ends, though, Fox, there's an ad for Paradise Now, which seems to be a simulation that fulfills your wildest dreams. Company owner Lazarus Gray appears at the end of the ad and seems pretty excited about it. Alana, who's Tanner's girlfriend, seems wistful about trying it out someday, but Tanner finds the real world weird enough without plugging into an expensive dream machine. And as it says, next time we'll learn that those were famous last words. Listen, we all know it's going to be some kind of uh, uh, bad news plot, but I do generally agree with, uh, I always forget his name, bad guy from Matrix 1. I'm kind of okay not eating like bad food and, and fighting wiggly monster robots. I'm all right with so, uh, so, so, being so, a So you're rate. in favor of a, of a Joey Pants in Oh, oh he's jo- the first Matrix movie? <laughs> is that, Joe is Pantoliano? Yeah, there we go. I, I forgot, like, uh, the Joey Pants thing. Uh, yeah, no, I am. Um, not a big f- fan of Robot in the Family, but, you know. That's fair. Hey, so far. Uh, we're missing one. Don't forget it. We got two more. What? Starting oh, with no. Thrill 9, Dow Demoto. Script oh, robot like Myra Hancock's art robot David Oy and learning robot Annie Parkhouse. I was I was I was gritting my teeth a little bit for the for the other one, but yeah, well, now, now, now I'm smiling. I know I'm doing it. Uh, so te- uh, Dow needs to get off off or needs to get to <laughs> Venus too sweet to escape <laughs> these aliens that wanted to get pregnant. Sorry, but the last flight. Is uh, but the last flight for two weeks is booked. So what can she do? The counter lady though comes through because there's a spare seat on the flight, but it's hand luggage only because it's like a spare stewardess jump seat. Tao, uh, Dow tips well and heads to the gate. My Suchi's dude, on the flight. Okay, oh, this never happens. I wish this would happen. I'll, I'll sit in a fucking uncomfortable seat and prepare to be or, or whatever. Like, I'm I'm glad she got tipped. Basically, she deserves it. Yeah, well, I don't know. I've never, I gotta say, I've never bought an airplane ticket at the airport. So maybe this could happen. I, I have had to do it, uh, unfortunately, for work uh, a few times. And once uh, when transferring to San Francisco, coming home for Christmas. And let me tell you, um, no one wants to give you the time of day. Yeah, but like I know, like those jumps, like I, I feel like I've heard people get in those jump seat seats because like it, that, that's like a friends and family kind of seat. Like, yeah, if you're... it's really not allowed. Like it's uh, yeah. for for like a conventional passenger, let's say, right? Yeah, but so 
Soon, Dow's on the flight and about to read her news display unit, which she bought on her way to the gate when a shadow falls over her. One that knows her name. Turns out to be uh, like a, a chick who knows that both having blonde hair, but blue eyebrows and blue lipstick and blue nail polish is a fucking like ah, great fashion. I love it this woman. It is a look. I love this woman. Yeah. So, uh, Dow, it's Dow's old friend Inga. It's been seven years since they last saw each other, and I guess they were kids at some sort of sci-fi school. Dow explains <laughs> that she's heading to Venus, hoping to get work there, um, and um, that the place they're leaving, we learn, is called uh, Vengok. It seems Inga is flying the ship or works for, works for it or something like that, she's but a, it's all she's automatic. She's effectively a stewardess slash – Kind of like fixing yeah, people's drink machines, I guess. Pilot, I guess, yeah. So she, so she goes to take off as Dow checks her newsreader, and the headline is "Dancer Kidnapped" with a, with a picture of her on it. So I, I did want to give some special mention to this. Where they met was the ITC Center, which is the Incitement to Commit Crime Center. Um, so I don't know if that means that they were trying to incite people to commit crimes so that they could arrest them, or if it was looking like it, it's such a it's it's i i love that as like the name of a bureau if that makes any yeah, sense definitely well th th those are the same ones that like shut down her dance show previously and stuff uh, like that yeah it seems like i'm not i admit i feel like there's some secondary thing related to all that itc stuff but i am not following it very That's well all good um, apparently, the reward, the reports of Dow's kidnapping come from her friends, as Mr. Subkalo is accused in the media of per perpetrating the crime. Um, at the same time, he himself is getting a call from his mysterious interplanetary clients. Space he amoebas. Admits, yeah, he admits that they've lost Dow, and um, the clients want to just go ahead with the plan anyway. Just raise it at the fertility clinic, it seems like. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I love these dudes as like uh... – just kind of guys that hire people, or I guess amoebas that hire people. Yeah, they see they're big floating like lava lamp forms, basically, like I mean, from the inside of a lava lamp. But they also like cancel the call, and then they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out." But then, oh, you know, he's probably really feeling pretty bad because you know he looks bad yeah. about this whole thing. Let's just call him back and make him feel better. Like it was such yeah, an definitely. odd thing. <laughs> yeah, they've got green clouds floating around them. The background is a very Steve Ditko inspired dreamscape like it's, mm. it's got a lot of looks from Doctor Strange comics I've seen yeah but yeah it seems the beings are still somehow tracking Dow somehow and for some reason but they call us up Cal and like you say give him a like treat him nice and let him off the hook here Good incubate the egg at the maternity leg at the maternity lab forget about all the rest of it but they are tracking Dow and seem to plan to catch her on her way to Venus or something like that yeah they've we'll got see. like a gene tracker in her which I imagine that just you know, they're weird Follows amoebas. Pants. Yeah. Inga goes to serve some jerks on the spaceship and they end up dousing her in space soda or whatever. She mm. complains to Dow, explaining that Venus is full of jerks doing work for uh, for the UN there. They like also to hang out on, at Lulu's Club, which they're on the way to. Yeah. And it looks like if Dow was hoping to do some, some peaceful, quiet exotic dancing, she's picked <laughs> the wrong part of the system. I mean, Inga did seem pretty stoked about it because she's like, dude, they work for like three weeks and then they – or two weeks or whatever. And then they get a week off and they just blow all their pay and you just mop up 
all of it. See, uh, I thought she seemed annoyed that these guys were oh, so I mean, it was like both. such big assholes or whatever. Oh, it, it was both, but she was also just like, dude, it's it's pretty red because you like you rake in cash. Um, but you know, she's trying to be below radar. So uh, where I'm sure Daudamoto would be a little bit more stoked uh about just like I, taking yeah. cash from idiots basically but yeah no you're right also i love the idea of thinking that you're going to go someplace an exotic dance and it's just gonna be like real quiet and no one's you, oh, know, you mean like you, you no, no one's being really disgusting and grabbing at you yeah you you aren't gonna deal with jerks because listen if there's one thing conrad's learned in his life it's that stripper drama is a universal constant. Anyway, I mean, it's like it's like saying I'm gonna go uh, be a stripper in Las Vegas because I want a quiet life. Uh, yeah, or I'm tired of people bossing me around. I'm joining the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> I, Speaking you of know which, what I need is a good old fashioned crucible. Yeah, thrill ten, future shocks. Christ, we got to ten. That's been yeah. a minute. Well, it's just because there's a re- – like there's jumping on one oh, in, sure, sure. in 7.30, 7.31. Stories called Marksman, script robot Wesley Smith, art robot Kev Hopgood, lettering robot Bambos Georgiou, first and only time in the product Wesley Smith. And I was wrong about it being a while until there was another future shock. I apologize oh, for oh, nothing. Dude, no, that's fine because it nails the future shock method, which I appreciate. Yeah, and I'm not apologizing. So oh. at Etomic, the busiest eatery in town, there's a massive irk. Outburst of violence, killing humans and robots, as recounted by a green-skinned alien lawyer. The crisis patrols are call, um, are called in, try to put an end to this blue mohawk killer of 97 people as a jury of weird aliens looks on. He is taken out, eventually shot in the head, and that's why we have the great pleasure of awarding a cool green devil dude with the Manhunter Association Award for Marksmanship. Listen, man, the real medal should go to Edenomic for that Sweet-ass dollar menu. Know what I mean? D- yeah, definitely. I, I like this one. It's just a little fake-out story where you think it's someone being on trial for this, but instead it's a guy being awarded I, um, I, for I like a to, murder. I, I like to imagine that you need legal counsel to argue for for how good your award should be and that you need a jury to be like, no, I think he deserves a, a dope-ass I like I like a nice legally witnessed award ceremony, Fox. Like That's why I, we get all those all those lawyer types in for the spinnies and stuff, you know? I, well, I feel like that's, that's the balance you need where everyone says like they're real bad but maybe you should just have award situations uh where legal counsel is required so they can argue uh you know precedent absolutely I think you get i said better words. answers for these awards that said fox christ speaking of awards i need to know what you would like to award your picks for top and bottom thrills this month man oh man so prog 728 to 731 oh yeah god i mean my my clear bottom uh, just because I want to get this out of the way is Robo uh, Hunter. We we talked about this quite a bit. I am sure. disappointed. Um, this this was for us once, even when it was not at its best, uh, a comedic prog. Um, and it it really doesn't serve well as like an emotional one, or at least like one that's going a bit dark. Like so, like again, Junker and this are kind of at the same level. But I'm gonna call out Robo Hunter for this one just because like. It was so obvious to me at like at this point now, it, it wasn't fun to read other than, you know, mm-hmm. getting screamed at by uh, uh, Full Metal Jacket J. Jo- Jonah Jameson, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. God, for top, for top. You know, I'm I'm going to go a bit weird here. I don't usually give this for for something that is two progs. 
I'm I'm giving it to Mean Machine Travels with Meshrink. Ooh, nice. It, it was uh, like honestly, uh, both both in terms of just the art. Uh, I I I don't normally like uh, attempted realism or like uh, you know. Uh, just making things more grounded. This felt mm-hmm. fun. It it used like n- it normal expressions just slightly tweaked towards a little bit more intense when emotions needed to be expressed. And also just getting some more about Mean Machine. I am really excited for Mean Machine. And cool. just, you know, I think that that deserves a tip of the hat uh, in my mind. Um, other than that, Dao Demoto, excited for it. But uh, Mean oh, Machine cool. gets my nod. And I must know, Conrad. Tell me your top mm-hmm. and bottom thrills, please. Please, oh, please Ooh, tell me. Oh, man. Well, listen, I mean, yeah, I don't care for this. Um, I feel like I'm on record as saying that I don't care for this Mark Miller uh, Robo Hunter. Happily put that at the bottom. Mm. Don't like the uh, – yeah, like you said, I mean, uh, you know, they've, they, they're definitely trying to turn this, what's, this humor comic into a serious action comic. And by do and by, by shedding various things, I don't and like while there's a little bit of attempts at, at humor with like a cutie betraying Gaz and other uh. things like that, it feels more mean spirited and weird than actually sort of I don't know the lighthearted kind of thing that zero, you kind of zero would, would feels like. like the replacement, right? Like zero is the thing I want to I want to read that is funny sometimes but awesome other times, you know. Yeah, I feel, well, I feel like, you know, there's a mix between action and humor that I think mm. 2000 AD often, often strives for. I mean, that's the and, savage promise. Yeah. And I mean, and I, and I mean, that's also what they're attempt, what they're going for in dread this week because, you know, the Irish stuff is definitely mm. there to be funny and stuff uh, like that, you know, it? so it's sort of, yeah. Um, and so, you know, but yeah, so I think it sort of goes a couple of different directions here, varying levels of success. Mm. So what's your top, man? Like what what uh, what struck at you? I mean, as much as I don't like the subject matter, I did like the action scenes in Dread. That is fair. Like him jumping off the side of the building oh, through I mean, the dome awesome. was pretty solid. Um, but I don't I don't know. I've got uh, enough misgivings that I don't want to give it to that either. Um, I might I might uh, join you actually and just give it to Meat Machine this time. Oh, solidarity. I like yeah. This story started with a bang or with a bock, and I'm I'm also <laughs> like you. I'm very excited to see where it's going to go. I mean, like so that's yeah. that's you know what you know what I will say is that uh, that that kind of solidarity I I actually kind of like. Not the I mean obviously bad bad is bad, but I think that it it says something that you can come in with only two progs right under your belt and be that yeah. compelling for sure yeah listen like again for me all of my like things that i say that i feel like i personally have for picking thrills are 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 only for bottom thrill like <laughs> where like we're like i never want like i don't really want to give a bottom thrill to a future shock i don't really want to oh, give no. it to a text story in a special or annual i don't want to give it to something mm. that only shows up in one um, in one or two progs in an mm-hmm. episode, but for top thrill, like if any, you know, if oh, something that's, that's their place to win, its, right? F- find its way to top. Anybody can do it, you know. Yeah, like exactly. it's fine. So anyway, 
Yeah, good times. Man, hey, hope everybody awesome. enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. On the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter, we're at Space Spinner 2K for everything else with Space Spinner 2000 and find us there. This show is brought to you by Steve Green, Zam Kip Miller, and your friends at the 2080 Forum. If you'd like to join them and help support the show, we'd really appreciate it. Please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash cradaline. That's our podcast network. There you can support the show and receive some excellent content, including advanced episodes, coverage of modern 2000 AD in the magazine, and monthly Q&As with Fox and myself. Hey, listen, if you like us uh, talking and you want to hear us talk to, for, God, nearly like an hour and a half... Yeah, they're uh, often pretty long, and we get all, God, all over the place God for sure. God knows what that uh, the Q and A is is worth its salt. Yeah, and then come back next time on Space Spinner as Sam as uh, Sam Slate finishes his first new case. An old friend returns to Mega City One. We'll dip a toe in, and we'll dip a toe into a thrill I'm very excited about: Ooh. Indigo Prime Killing Time. All right. I think it's going to be good. And until then, I'm Todd Red East Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splunk Digger 3!